head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 259 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. The Pod God, Shawnee Quarantine, they have a lot of nicknames for me these days. Uh, Cal Elnor actually called me Big Sexy the other day, so that's one of my other many nicknames. Joined today... It's very Brendan, Brendan Shabish of you uh, to take that on <laughs> on board. He, like, he called it to me, I, I can't deny it, like, I can't deny it didn't happen. You know, it's like this car coming up the week, this weekend, a lot of people think, just because we don't agree with it, we should uh, like not acknowledge it, think it doesn't happen. But no, if things happen like this, if someone calls me Big Sexy, how can I not... How could I not take it on? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> joined today by the Kim Jong-un of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, back from, back from the dead, apparently, to talk about uh, a pretty big week in the, in the world of MMA, MMA coming back, and also possibly the last ever Zoom next Tuesday, but we'll, we'll see about that. Well, before we, we get into all the MMA and stuff, we, we kind of have to mention that Zoom that we did last, last Tuesday. It was... It was just insane, wasn't it? There was like 50 people there at one stage, all like asking questions and talking. And there was like, we invited probably five fighters on and about eight turned up. And then they were all there at the same time, talking to each other, asking each other questions, debating each other. All. It was just debating who the best welterweight in Ireland was, three three Irish welterweights and who the best <laughs> prospect was in, yeah. in Ireland with, with Ian Gary there. And we all... We all, uh, including him, agreed that it wasn't him. (laughs) (laughs) After we talking about like Paul Hughes last week, and you were slagging me about, uh, you know, my boy and Gary and all this, and then Ian Gary was there, and I just said it to him straight out. It's probably Paul Hughes, but like, uh, yeah, look, we we won't get into that debate again. But we had a good debate about it, like because Ian Gary even said himself, like, you know, Paul is a little bit ahead of him in terms of the amount of fights he's had and the amount of time he's been doing it, like, so it made a lot of sense. But yeah, it was it was fantastic. My favorite bit actually was uh, Richard Kiley. I I think I asked Richard Kiley who was the best welterweight in Ireland, and he was like, you know, whatever he was saying anyway. And then he mentioned Reese McKee or something, and then Reese like answered him back, and he didn't know that Reese was on the call, and he's like, oh Reese. <laughs> It was hilarious. It was like shocked that Reese was actually on the call. But well, I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, the arts of MMA. Yeah, uh, come back. <laughs> was, yeah. yeah, so that was uh, that was Terry Brazier. He was on the call at the same time as Richard Kiley, who he could be fighting in his next fight. So the two of them, literally, I just let him off. Like they just started rowing for about a half an hour. It was, uh, it was very, very funny. But yeah, well, like at once, like Cal Eleanor, we brought him on early, and he just didn't leave. Like he was there for about an hour, and then he has to come back. Reese has to come back on next week. Ian Gary has to come back on next week. Richard Kiley has to come back on next week. So, yeah, we'll probably have another few people as well. And with the events coming back and on, it might be the and last. You have one. Uh, Brad Wharton, the Cage Wars yeah. commentator, always dropping in as well. He was he was there for the whole thing, I think, as yeah, well. Was, both yeah. weeks. Yeah, he was, and he's like he's a godsend for me because like. 
I have to produce it. I have to invite people on. I have to do everything as well as ask people questions. So when he like pops in and starts asking people questions and talking for a while, it's like, okay, great. I get a kind of a break because you and fucking Andy Stevenson are, are no good. <laughs> but no, you did. You, like the first week as well, especially you asked some great questions. We had having on as well last week, and we talked to her about Cyborg and Leslie Smith and all that. So it was it was really good. And if you're not there, you can't see it. So. If you're not there next Tuesday, you won't be able to see it, so you'll have to sign up. It's the, what's the second in the month now as well, so it's a great time to sign up for Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast, or if you just go to severemay.com forward slash, what is it, forward slash points, P-I-N-T-S, you'll be able to get it there. Yeah, so, yeah it's uh, 8 o'clock Tuesday. Might be the last all, one. All the money you've been saving on points, uh, not being able to go to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's only one point. Yeah, you'd, you'd definitely buy us a fight now if you met us out again. So, yeah, that's the way to uh, that's the way to do it. And there's been like a weekly slagger match between me and Richard Kyle. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's going on for months and months now. <laughs> months and months, yeah. But I love the way Richard, like Richard could take it because a, a lot of people can't take it. Like, but he, Richard asked the question, um, if you, to, to all the fighters, there was like six fighters in China. He's like, if you could uh, punch any Irish MMA journalist in the face, who would it be? And uh, Andy Stevens is like, oh, you definitely say Sean anyways. Like, yeah, I probably would. And I just goes, yeah, I'd probably just take Richard down <laughs> if he tried to punch me in the face. He's like, he took a well. They, they all took a well in fairness. But oh, it, was, uh, it was a good bit of crack anyway. Be there. T- t- Tuesday, 8 p.m. few cans. Two hours. Literally just two hours of people who love MMA chatting or about probably it. longer. Or probably longer, yeah. It's it's going to be great crack. Is there any fighters listening to this as well? Any media members listening to this? Send me a DM, send me an email, and uh, and we'll bring you into it as well. Because literally, we almost have too many people right now, <laughs> you know. So, um, we're tr- we're trying to uh, if if you're there and want to just come in and stay there for two hours and and uh, have a bit of a chat and stuff, we we can do that. But uh, yeah. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great fun, and as I said, it might be the last one ever because the events are coming back, and they're gonna be on a Saturday and a Wednesday, and also, uh, if you don't tune in this Tuesday, you might never experience like the most unique thing I think a lot of people have seen in MMA in a long time with just people like. With Mike Jackson on one stage, UFC fighter, and he was like slagging Bellator fighters, and Cal Elnor and Richard Kiley were both on at the same time. <laughs> we, we, we might have to like morph it into like the odd fight night or something. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean, where we get a few heads on or something. We we'll, we'll work on something. Any suggestions as well? Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, but we'll we'll see how it goes in here. Right, um, we better talk about this UFC two four nine card, and I suppose before we do that, there's all we always have to mention. The uh, unfortunately, the coronavirus and the that addendum of it as well. Uh, we talked last week about Florida and maybe not knowing the situation there, and I've kind of looked into it a little bit since and have seen what a few people have said about it. Um, and the situation there in that exact place where it's on from a few days ago, anyway, it wasn't too bad, but. Uh, around that area, there's like beaches opening, there's different businesses opening. They, they don't have the kind of lockdown that we have here at all. Uh, America now, I believe, is by far the worst country in the world in terms of coronavirus, which is insane. And it looks, I, I was reading today, all different places in America are opening up stuff. Texas is opening up things. California is opening up um, different things. There's, there's beaches closed down in certain places, but people are like still going to them and protesting in the streets and all. It's just like America seems to be the worst country in the world in terms of like just being intelligent if you know what i mean and going into your home and waiting for a couple of weeks (laughs) is is that wrong like no No. yeah well uh, i suppose they 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 don't like to obey Uh, when there's a lot of people anywhere you're gonna have groups of people who who don't like to be told what to do Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who don't believe the media anymore don't believe the government anymore because there's been so many lies that they just think ah it's grand don't worry about it 
Yeah, but this is a bit different. This isn't the time for your conspiracy theories, is it really? Like, you know, <laughs> well, a lot of people just have no trust in what they're told, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, I think everyone at this stage, like, <laughs> like knows that this is actually a huge problem. Uh, I, and, yeah, I don't think so. Like, some people seem to just think, ah, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. God, that's. You don't yeah. think so, no? Well, yeah, you're probably right, like, but that's insane. The, the weirdest thing about for me is, like, the, the selfish, and we won't get into the whole coronavirus thing again because we want to talk about the fight and stuff, but, like, the selfishness of people. Like, there was, I, I love looking at, well, I don't look, it's, it's insane looking at those American protests and seeing the signs, and there was one lady with, one Karen with this sign, <laughs> I just want to get a haircut. I'm like, what, what kind of a selfish fucking imbecile are you, like? I, oh my god everyone wants to get a fucking airport but just get over it like wait wait three weeks and hopefully it'd be better like oh it's just it's just absolutely insane but i suppose like <sighs> ah but you're not thinking about those cues at the barber shop <laughs> <laughs> god it's gonna be it's gonna be insane but look we, I, I, ireland released a plan there yesterday and like hopefully the plan the plan works yeah hopefully pretty much no way I, highly doubtful that plan is gonna go on schedule no. I, I think the first couple might but uh, part five coming up in August is just not a not a hope in hell. But look, we'll we'll see how it goes anyway. Um, but like this fight card coming up, we we still have to put that addendum. I have reached out to the UFC and asked them, are they going to be testing everybody for coronavirus? Um, and they replied, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> they didn't reply, and I think a few more people have also asked them that question, and nobody got much of a reply. They, what the UFC always says, we're doing all the necessary testing, we're doing the temperature test, they have no problem saying they're doing temperature tests and things like that, but they're, um, you know, they're not coming out and saying specifically they're doing coronavirus tests. Now, you can decide for yourself if they are doing them or not, uh, or if they're doing, like maybe they'll do one of them, uh, they'll do one coronavirus test for everyone, and I don't think that's enough. I, like, I think everyone who understands anything about this disease knows you have to test over and over and over again over a long period and quarantine people. That's just what we're uh, what we're talking about. But look, let me. Uh, MMA Junkie got um, a copy of an email sent out to the fighters and so. So I think, but before you know, before I or instead of giving our opinion or whatever on it, I'm, I think I'll just read that because that's the the best way to to give people the. Um, the knowledge and the understanding of what the UFC have said and what's going to be happening. So um, this is what it's written on the MMA Junkie website from this email. So staff fighters, tournament only. The UFC notified fighters, uh, only designated staff members, on-card fighters and their licensed tournament will be allowed on site. Uh, mandatory daily medicals and testing. Upon arrival at the host hotel, the fighters and their tournament must take part in mandatory uh, medical screenings and a series of tests. This process will be repeated daily as long as the fighters and teams remain at the hotel. Further testing details will be provided in person upon arrival. So maybe next week we'll we'll find out if they are uh, uh, if they are giving them the actual coronavirus tests. Uh, weigh-in procedure run through credential distribution. Teams will then be uh, informed of the weigh-in procedure and given credentials that are required to be worn at all times in the hotel. Individual workout rooms. Each fighter will be provided with an individual workout room. Mats, mat sanitizer and personal sauna will be provided. Uh, uh, hotel staff will be on the premises. The hotel's host, uh, housekeeping staff will be on the premises taking extra precautions to sanitize rooms and provide 24-7 room service. Uh, the UFC Performance Institute will provide support as needed. The UFC Performance Institute will be providing nutritional and uh, trifecta culinary support for all medical athletes and the last part medical staff will be on the premises performance related matters defined as medical uh, uh, defined defined as injury or illness can be treated by on-site medical staff but massages and uh, flushes will be not so 
Like everything there is very good. I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad that they're sanitizing the hotels. I'm glad that they're bringing them in and, and giving them medical tests. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they're keeping them all in one place. They're only allowing them a certain amount of people with them. All 100% perfect. But it's not enough. I, I don't think right now. I, I just don't think it's right. And especially with the fact that they haven't said outright that they're going to be testing them multiple times for the coronavirus. Like... These people should be cocooning in their houses after getting a, a coronavirus test, passing it, and then travelling. You know, it, this shouldn't be a case of... And look, maybe they've done that, but they haven't told us that. There, there was a thing about sending tests to people's houses a while back, but nobody has confirmed that that I've seen. Anyway, maybe by the time this podcast is out, they have. Maybe maybe they've done it somewhere and I haven't seen it. Um, but I think that's the sort of transparency that we need, really. we we They need to be telling us that. And if... If they are doing that, I think that's a good thing. Like, if the UFC come out and say, right, uh, you know, Jarzino Rosenstruck, he's at his uh, you know, a home in Florida, wherever he lives, he's getting a test there, 10 days out. If he passes it, we know in the next four days that uh, that's the incubation period of disease, so he's not going to spread it. So he's going to spend an extra few days in his house, then come immediately to here. He's going to be tested again here. And if he doesn't have it here, we know he can go into the hotel where it's sanitised all the time. We'll test him again directly before the fight and then he can fight and it's all going to be perfect. Like, that's the sort of thing we need for people like me and people watching. Take them in big, big body suits, contagion, with a contagion, <laughs> contagion body suit and have yeah. to walk around like that. And <clears throat> yeah, that's what we need. But like, that's that's something that has to be done. I was I was reading a thing about the, the Premier League uh, and they're saying that it's going to cost 30,000 um, uh, pounds to test all the teams every week for the coronavirus when they get back playing so like the amount you know the amount of stuff that that they're going to put into it and that they're going to use to get it back to being completely safe and there's still you know talks of it not happening because the players don't want it and everything like that but do you i hope like what the UFC have said there is all very good sanitizing the hotel exactly what they should do uh you know limiting the amount of people there 100 percent perfect um but they need they need to clarify if they're testing people. They really need to do it. And even if they are, we talked about it last week and the week before. There's lots of false negatives and things like that. It's a one. It's still too early. It's but uh, go on. How did the, how did the WWE? Uh, I nearly always say F. Uh, the WWE um do it when they were having shows. Did they do coronavirus or what? What was their procedure? I think they're just. I I don't know to be honest because I like I usually listen to Dave Meltzer's podcast and he says everything but I, I haven't seen him say that to be honest and uh i i like i don't know the situation but i feel, i feel like they're just going into it you know balls out and they don't even care like one did, 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 did many wrestlers or any wrestlers on those shows end up with coronavirus or do we know that or yeah one person got it um they didn't release who it was so it could have been like a producer or it could have been a referee or a wrestler or something like that know. and i think a couple more people like got sick in cocoon but like roman reigns he's uh he has he had leukemia and he has like uh, you know obviously an underlying immunodeficiency and he's just not been wrestling for the last what two months now or something like that uh, so they've taken minimal precautions but like there was one stage where i was i came on the podcast and i said the, the ufc is somehow worse than wwe but that is definitely <laughs> i think wwe is significantly worse than the ufc like the ufc if they gave it another couple of weeks right and they were able to uh get those the, the testing which i kind of just outlined there with the, the few days before when you arrive and before you fight if they could get all that done like i think 
and when you get to the arena, if they were able to separate fights out and not have that many people in the arena at the same time, like I think it can be done a lot safer. Like the, the safest thing to do is stay at home. I think we can all agree on that. But they, I think they can do it safely in not so, not such a long time. Like the problem is you're moving and you're flying and you're going around all different places. But I think they've cut down the whole flying thing with the fact people can't come in from foreign countries. Uh, like there's still huge big issues there but the like the, the problem is that the the smallest thing in terms of the first thing they should do is be testing everyone multiple times and we haven't had that clarified yet like that to me is the biggest issue and it's it's like we're in a case now of where everyone's talking about bringing sports back and we've all talked about the UFC being the first one back and we know they will be but if they're bringing it back first and they haven't clarified what they're actually doing in terms of how they're bringing it back safely, that's not good enough, like, that is 100% not good enough, now maybe they will do it, but they should have already done it, like, and they have released, you know, press uh, press releases and stuff, and they've said, oh, doctors and all this, and the, uh, the athletic commission have okayed it and all, but... I don't think that's enough to be honest. I really don't think that's enough, and like they need to be, they need to be held to account on this. I think, and a lot of people have talked about, you know, in not just the UFC, even not just um, other, not just sports, but even the government and stuff like that. That the media need to uh, be asking these questions and holding people to account and talking about this. And I, like, I agree. We've been doing that for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I think we'll have to continue to do that through all of this, um, and hopefully we get to a stage where. Uh, it's all perfect and nothing has happened but like do you what do you think do you think like they're they're doing enough to uh, guarantee incidents won't happen like i think i think the biggest uh, i'm no doctor obviously but the biggest thing the (laughs) difference between like nearly every other sport in mma is the weight cutting and yeah the the bad shape a lot of fighters are in the day before the fight and i don't i don't know how badly it affects your immune system or but it definitely can't be good Uh, do, you so remember, maybe that- uh, do you remember what Dana White said yesterday and, and I think Nick Baldwin tweeted out he said if fighters don't want to cut weight um, during the coronavirus they just don't have to fight I'm like what the fuck why don't you just put their fights up away then like that makes, it makes no sense I think they did yeah. that with one they did that with Brian Kelleher's fight I think but weight cutting is that's another point for yeah isn't it like that's terrible you know football they're kind of very fit and healthy and other other sports are very fit and healthy and MMA are very fit and healthy but then they do this thing to their body where they just restrict the calories they restrict water or their water load then they restrict water and they go into saunas and salt baths and all these things and I don't know like uh, it's going to have to be very very controlled Um, I'm not sure like as I said I'm not sure how how devastating on your like immune system weight cutting is but when you've seen some guys with extreme weight cuts and I don't know I think the last video was like the Darren Till video that went out I think it was like a, mm-hmm. a betting company put it out or whatever and it got yanked but you kind of can see how how uh, how bad these guys are or like how you know close to death these guys are sometimes uh, weight cutting mm-hmm, 100% and that takes away that kind of argument as well like oh these are the fittest healthiest people in the world well they are apart from that you know that 48 hour period 24 hours before the fight but yeah it's uh, look it's a crazy time and 
and the fights are still happening. So we must talk about the fights. People are going to have to cut more weight because they've been, if they yeah. have been following the protocol, they haven't been training like they usually have, and mm-hmm. are they a bit, a little bit heavier than a few pounds extra from, you know, sitting at home with nothing to do? Yeah, like we we always hear about people, you know, afterwards said I had, you know, a knee injury or I, I you know, hurt my foot or something, and I couldn't get out in the road, I couldn't get out in the bikes, I couldn't do the, you know, that sparring or the the boxing or whatever they need to do, uh, with their coaches to get the weight down and that's why they say they, they miss weight you know we we have that same issue now yeah they have a routine <laughs> most feeders have, have kind of a routine that they're kind of obviously it's hard to go away but they're kind of like settling that routine or whatever yeah. it's a little easier but then that routine is running out the window obviously it would it sounds like it would make it even harder yeah we, we always hear mcgregor saying you know i have it down to a science you know and, and you can't have it down to that science when you've no scientists <laughs> you know whatever no one doing it for you so it's going to be it's going to be very very tough and i'd expect people to miss weight and on this card and the, the cards coming up but um look we'll, we'll see that i suppose on uh, on friday yeah. so let's talk about um a few of these fights and we we talked about the main event a couple of times now and we will talk about it again in a second but i want to talk about henry Souda versus dominic cruz because we talked about it last week a little bit but i went and watched a lot of dominic cruz fights a lot lots of Henry Cejudo fights and I think I've kind of changed my pick around I was I was leaning towards Dominic Cruz but now I I just think Cejudo will beat him like watching Dominic Cruz's style obviously we, we all know what he's like he's great head movement he's footwork he to me he's the best defensive fighter what he was like three and a half years ago yeah well yeah yeah that's that's very true but like, he's the best defensive fighter we've ever seen in MMA because it's very hard to be a good defensive fighter in MMA and he was that he was absolutely brilliant um, it just like watching that Cody Garbrandt fight, it, like he showed more power in that fight, and maybe that's because Cody has maybe a little bit of a suspect chin, which we've seen after that. But he did look a bit slower comparing it to I watched the Demetrius Johnson fight just before it, and he was maybe not as fast as Demetrius Johnson, but he could keep up with DJ. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and then he was stronger, and he he's better wrestling, and he, in the clinch he was just bigger and uh, than than DJ there as well. Um, for Sahudo, that wrestling advantage is obviously probably not going to be there because of the the wrestling acumen of Henry Sahudo. Although Demetrius Johnson out wrestled Henry Sahudo in, in the first uh, first fight in in circum- certain cer- circumstances, and Henry's very fast as well. And I think, like when you look at the the Cody Garbrandt fight and you look at the fights before, Dominic Cruz looked a little bit different in that fight, but it didn't look like a Dominic Cruz who had moved on in terms of like what you'd expect someone who is probably the most intelligent fighter we've ever seen in MMA um what you would expect from them over a a three-year period or whatever it is but that's obviously because he was uh he was injured and now it's even further on after that so I think like it's it's Henry Cejudo's fight to lose here, I think, because if, like what Cody did to Dominic Cruz was he looked straight down the middle all the time and just aimed for Dominic Cruz rather than getting bamboozled by his movement and his his strikes and things. I think he um, Cody kind of said, "Look, I'm going to take a couple of strikes here, but I'm going to land bigger than Cruz." Um, and I think as well, before we get into maybe Henry Cejudo and what he's going to do or what his issues might be, I think judging for Dominic Cruz as well is going to be a huge issue because Cruz was never the most powerful guy in the world. Um, and he, you know, most of his fights were were uh, outpointing people. Like, who was it Uriah Fabrius called him the decisionator, you know? So, in, in a, a lot world, of close rounds, a lot of close rounds yeah. over his career as well. He just kind of does just enough to win them, and that's a, that's a dangerous strategy. Mm-hmm. And in, in a world where judging has changed completely where it's more about um power shots now and impact, landing yeah. impact the uh, uh, effective uh 
uh, immediate effectiveness of strikes is the biggest thing. Also, a question is, who will be judging these fights at the weekend? I hope they don't have fucking local Florida judges, so that, that could be a big issue. But that, I think that's another issue for, uh, for uh, Cruz as well. And when you look at Cejudo then, like... I think the one thing watching both of their fights, and especially the Marlon Moraes fight for Cejudo, he got hit with a lot of leg kicks early in that. Now he came back and uh, Moraes wilted in that fight, but Dominic Cruz throws a lot of leg kicks as well, not the ferocity of uh, of uh, Marlon Moraes, but he, he does throw him a lot. And, you know, I've spoken about how intelligent he is. Maybe that's a thing he can do. He can just go out and leg kick him nonstop for the whole fight. And I think that's probably a good way to do it. Use your distance, use your boxing, uh, and use the lint. And try not to let the, the faster, maybe more powerful guy uh, come down in uh, inside you. But, like, uh, I think if, if Cruz does play the long-term game, he has a, a good chance here. But I'd favor, uh, I'd favor Suhuda. What way are you looking at? I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but I know you've watched a bit on him again. Have you kind of changed your mind? Or what way are you looking at No, him? I still think it's... It's going to be Cejudo. Um, probably be a decision for Cejudo. I just think he's faster, and he, uh, he's, he's okay. He's thirty three, but he's he's much younger in the game than Dominic Cruz at thirty five. Has a lot more like injury and cage time, and just been around in the game longer, taking more punishment. Even though he's he's hard to he's hard to hit. He's been injured a lot. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's been out for three and a half years as well, which uh, definitely doesn't help. Um, and Cejudo has been, you know, uh, very active against top competition in that time that uh, that Dominic Cruz has been on the sideline, and uh, I think it's a very, very difficult, very difficult comeback fight for Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz talks about ring rust not existing and all that stuff, but I think he's gonna, I think, I think he's gonna, he's gonna get outclassed here. Like Dominic Cruz is a is one of my, like over the years he's one of my favorite fighters to watch because he does something different and he's, you know, it's 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 um. It's very technical everything he does, and uh, but I just think three and a half years, the game's moving on so quickly. It it already had kind of moved on three and a half years ago when when he lost to Garbrandt, and uh, I know you can you can have a bad day at the office or whatever, and you can you know when you're when you're kind of. I don't know when you're kind of injured all the time. It definitely doesn't help, and we we never really know how injured Dominic Cruz is. I just think there's too many, there's too many things for Dominic Cruz to overcome against such a talented, every like such a well-rounded, talented opponent who's who's also who's also always improving. When Dominic Cruz just I highly doubt he is improving, and I'd say he's uh, getting worse, and Henry Hudo's getting better, and I just think I th- I think a, a dominant Cejudo uh, decision. Yeah, I, like I, I agree with that. Now, I, I as well think you know you look at Cruz's style down through the years, and I hate to say it because I love the style so much. I think it might be a little bit outdated, um, because when you like. I think the, even the Marais Cejudo fight is a good example of that from from both guys' perspective. Marais early and then Cejudo late. Like the way the way Cody beat Dominic was kind of walking forward. Uh, defending shots while taking a couple as well but you know cutting off the cage and landing kind of straight down the middle against a guy who wants to kind of uh, sidestep away from you and I think that like uh, cage closing short distance boxing style uh, like McGregor kind of does it extremely well for in in certain terms you know when he when he pushes you forward he's brilliant at cutting off the cage getting forward Cejudo does that pretty well as well um Marais does it pretty well. Lots of fighters, especially at the lower weights, Volkanovski is absolutely fantastic at doing that as well. I think that's kind of the new style of MMA right now. And that new style of MMA, I think, is kind of 
designed to beat a Dominic Cruz sort of style, uh, unfortunately for him. But you know, you'd never know. And I'm not like I'm not saying Dominic Cruz is going to come in here with the same style he had six years ago because he he probably won't. I bet you he won't. And we saw you know in the Marais fight again. You know, you you've talked about it a good few times in the podcast before. So who does new kind of karate style and the way he fights? He was forced to change that a little bit. I, I, I was it was I think it was DC was or was it Cruz? I don't know. I think it was DC talking about it in the commentary as I listened to it back to like he's gone to a pure boxing style now because he was getting that leg head up. So if if Cruz can eat up that leg and get Cejudo out of that karate style and get him into a boxing style, you know. You... But Dominic Cruz is like, is he going to plant his feet and throw a hard leg, kick, throw a hard leg kick after a hard leg kick? Is he going to be moving around, bumping all over the place, making angles like you, you know? Yeah, but he does. He throws leg kicks from those angles. I, I know what you mean. They're not. They're, they're not, not big leg kicks. They're not Marlon Moraes leg kicks. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. Yeah, it's very different. So it's. Yeah, I, I still think it's a very interesting fight. And I, the most interesting thing for me is how Dominic Cruz can adjust and how he can change and what he can do um, and how he looks after being out for so long. You know, he says ring rust doesn't exist, but it absolutely does. And especially for someone who's been out for, for that long. So it's interesting to see, uh, so, see how he looks. Before we get into the other fights, I was uh, I put out a thing to this week and I goes uh, Dominic Cruz is the Ronaldo the Brazilian Ronaldo of MMA and I think that I think that's a good comparison I said in the Q and A for Patreon people they 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 would have heard it there like he was injured for a lot of his career kind of ravaged his career but he was still one of the best we've ever seen and really liked it and I, that's granted it doesn't matter but I put up that and like people were replying goes no nah, Dominic Cruz was never any good he was useless and all this and I. I, I don't know why most people didn't do that but there was a few and it kind of reminded me of when McGregor beat Aldo and people talked uh, talked about Aldo as if he was never any good and you know they, they, they remember that sign that went up in Dublin with Aldo like just no fucking respect for him at all and it, I feel like now we've reached a stage where p- new fans maybe the McGregor era fans even don't understand how good the WEC fighters were and how good the they were for years before they came to the UFC and for years in the UFC as well. Like the likes of Aldo, Faber, uh, Cruz, Pettis, Vincent Henderson, Cerrone fought in the WEC. I think Brian Stan fought in the WEC. There's, and I'm probably forgetting hundreds of people, but like the WEC Chaos, fighters, Chaos, yeah, the WEC fighters were brilliant, weren't they? Well, like I think, I think they um, the same thing happened before they came over to the UFC, where people kind of downplayed their abilities and said, "Ah, they were good enough to be in the UFC." But then, when when the UFC merged uh, WEC into the UFC, mm-hmm. you could, they kind of proved it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Pettis became champion, Henderson became champion. Um, probably forgetting other people who came champion. Cerrone became Gilbert Melinda's fought in WEC as well, didn't he? He became yeah, he did, champion. Yeah. Yeah. He, had a, he had a he had a pretty bad time in the UFC. Yeah. Besides that, but you know. Uh, even like you know he fought for the championship anybody outside the UFC even Eddie Alvarez coming from Bellator you know I think Mm -hmm. there's a tendency for a lot of fans to underrate their achievements outside of the UFC and it's hard to it, it is hard to gauge how good they are sometimes because like you know how good was Michael Chandler or how good is he now we don't really know you yeah. know what I mean very true like we talked we talked about that in the zoom actually a bit Brad Warren made a great point about it like especially now like that was true that's always been true for years and years but I think now with the like with Bellator signing so many of the young up-and-comers that it's no longer going to be true that the UFC have all the best fighters in the world like you can't say AJ McKee is one of the best uh, up-and-comers in the world or might not be one of the best fighters in the world or Patchy Mix or Fabian Edwards or you know, 
James Gallagher or whoever the Irish guys might be. You can't say one of them won't become a fantastic fighter uh, in years to come and be as good as the guys in the UFC. Like it's and Bellator have done a great job, I think, of that of of kind of signing those guys and you know putting themselves in a position where five years down the line, it's 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 going to be we're going to reach a, situ- a situation where maybe the best all the best fighters in every weight class in the UFC, and that was definitely the case with WEC because they had the lower weight classes that the UFC didn't even have and. Their lightweights also that the UFC did have were better than the UFC ones because, as you said, Pettis came in, or no, sorry, um, Vincent Henderson came in, won the title from Frank Edgar, and then Pettis won it from, um, from Vincent Henderson Anderson, between them. Yeah. yeah, go on. I was just gonna say, like Henderson and Pettis was like uh, the kind of the one with the Showtime kick mm-hmm. was like was like the quality of the fight was unbelievable, but people just kind of. People were like, ah, yeah, but it's, you know, how would these guys do against the UFC guys? Mm-hmm. I think there would have been more excitement about that fight and how good it was if it was in the UFC. Yeah. You know, it would be considered a better fight in people's minds. Mm-hmm. It's just a strange thing people have where it's kind of, in some people's minds, maybe it's even subconsciously, the UFC is kind of just a be-all on them, though. Yeah, that is very true. And, like, I was even that way for a while, but, like, uh, I think I think it's changed. Like, a good fight is a good fight, and it doesn't matter what color gloves they're wearing or what... Maybe it does matter what kind of cage they're in, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think we should respect WC, respect people like Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo, like that. Uh, okay, we we get off of this in a while, but like I feel like I feel like we need to start respecting the legends in the sport a little bit more, even if their style or their time has gone. You know, well, it comes back to this thing about oh, people always say oh, it won't it won't tarnish his legacy, but it always it always does when they fight too long. Like people always kind of like I'm sure there's people who think BJ Penn is just terrible, like you know, just yeah. an awful fighter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know I mean? That is true. That is true. Right, let's talk about uh, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Like uh, me watching Tony Ferguson, I feel like. Remember, remember, how does he keep winning? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like I've just been waiting for him to lose for so long, and he just keeps winning. I don't know. It's at, like, and he's every fight. He's like, oh, he's about to lose. Oh no, he's not. He's won. Like watching back that Land of Venata fight. Like oh. he just got the shit beat out. Like I just, no, come on, man. That was a slippy, slippy surface. Slippy surface. But I, I was uh, watching back that fight and imagining Justin Gaethje in the same fight with the power Justin Gaethje has and the ability he has to push forward and cut off the cage against Tony Ferguson. <sighs> Like, how is he... I don't... I find it hard to see a way where Justin Gaethje doesn't knock Tony Ferguson out. Maybe if he's not prepared. Maybe if he's fucking misses weight. Maybe if he's had no training, which he probably hasn't had for the last fucking two months. I, I don't know. I mean, I, like, like, I Tony, actually... Tony is, is really yeah. tough, but, like, he's been dropped hard by guys who don't hit anywhere near as viciously and <laughs> consistently as, uh, as Justin Gaethje and like okay Justin Gaethje doesn't really use his wrestling but his wrestling will come in handy if Tony Ferguson's trying to jump some crazy guard on him mm-hmm. he, he he won't be like like a fish out of water you know if it, if it hits the ground he won't be it's not over like mm-hmm. in my opinion like like Tony Ferguson's crazy on the ground and stuff, but I don't know how good his actual fundamentals are like if, you, if he's going to be able to actually finish a fight there if he needs to I don't think so uh, against the top guys so uh, like as as you say like there's not that many submissions in, in the upper echelon fights mm-hmm. you know what I mean um, so I, I I think this is Gaethje in, in the first round or second round by KO like Tony Ferguson's tough and maybe he'll make it to the second round or maybe he'll make it to a later round but it's uh, uh, like yeah uh, I think I think Gaethje's gonna knock him out early yeah, and like looking back at Gaethje's fights and just seeing the way guys move away from him, like uh, 
I know normally call what's his name? Although that eye name? that eye thing would be a little thing from Gaethje where like his there was something go, going on with his eye recently and obviously <laughs> I think yeah, it was after one of the one of his recent fights there was some problem with his eye and obviously yeah, your eyes are extremely important. But uh, as long as there's no you know, if he's if he's coming back now I'm sure it's yeah. cleared up. Well, you'd yeah. you'd hope. Like see, seeing him putting heads in Barboza's lights out when he's walking away or when he's kind of circling away, seeing him putting um Mike or Mike I, I did it again. James, James Vick, that's the one, yeah. yeah. James Vick. Fucking flatlined it. Like Ferguson what Ferguson is and I like feel like we're just uh, denigrating Tony Ferguson terribly here. Like he's a fantastic like, go forward fighter who will take a shitload of shots, keep going, and then just like outwork you and outfight you and out hustle you. But against Justin Gaethje, like that's a fucking that's a tough task. Like Justin Gaethje is like the ultimate warmonger. Like you know, if you're getting into a war with Justin Gaethje, that's probably a bad time. And, he can, and he can do it for five rounds. You know, it's yeah. not like he it's not like he's gonna blow himself out in the first round, going putting the pressure on. He's we've seen him go five rounds in uh, in. In world uh world series of fighting at the time mm-hmm. um we've seen him go late like you know uh we've seen him kind of okay he slows down a little bit but we, we we haven't seen him gas out or anything like that so it's it's not like a case of uh tony needs to survive a, a first round ambush here and he's cool mm-hmm. uh, it's just there's a lot of problems in this fight for tony ferguson in my opinion yeah like you look at the dustin paria fight he's very hittable you know he's yeah, like, very hittable, yeah. like, and his boxing isn't great it's i don't know it seems to be effective even though it looks strange or maybe it's maybe it's like a keith jardine thing where it's just so awkward that people can't get a hang of it yeah i think it's i think it's the awkwardness and the fact he can just take shots very well but like you look at the you look at the justin gaethje dustin paria fight let's say we'll say and he paria i think beat him because he people question Poria and his ability to like get into a war and come through that and I think after that that was kind of gone but Poria is one of the best technical strikers in the UFC he's absolutely fantastic I think that really helped him to beat um, Justin Gaethje and uh, Gaethje changed his game after that and improved and become, became more technical himself like does someone like Tony Ferguson who is a brilliant kind of brawler but he uh, he can fight technically well but he doesn't normally but if he goes in there like that against Justin Gaethje and just his go forward balls out that's I don't think that's going to work as well as someone who is actually coming in there with technique blocking your shots not taking your big power shots protecting their chin and landing the heavier shots on you I don't I like I don't know. Like, I think if Terry Ferguson wins this fight, what he's going to do is, uh, he has very good submissions. You know, he submitted uh, Kevin Lee in a, in a, an interim title fight. He's very good on the ground. If he can just make it nasty, be more defensive, maybe be a little bit more technical, jab him up and fight him, uh, maybe a little bit more of an intelligent fight, I think he can do it then. But if he gets into a brawl with Gaethje, like he, he tends to do, and Gaethje is now... Like Gaethje is better in brawls now than he was when he was brawling before, <laughs> which doesn't make much of a sense. But he has kind of stopped brawling a little bit. So if you play into that game, he's well used to it, and he's happy to do this new thing he does, where he's technical and he can he can fight going forward and you know with better technique than he does before and better tactics, and he can also fight going back uh, and hit guys like that, like he did. I think it was against Barboza in the start of that fight. So like I don't know, like Tony Ferguson. Uh, there's something missing with Tony Ferguson in that I think he's one of those fighters. You know, you ever you always hear fighters saying you don't know how good he is until you actually get in with him or how effective he is. <clears throat> I feel like Tony Ferguson is one of them. Like you look at him from the outside and say, oh, he's you know he's beatable. He's very open. He's going to get shot with, hit with big shots. 
but he 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 hasn't in a long time. He hasn't in a long time. So there there is something there, but. I just feel like Gaethje's a, a nightmare matchup for him. Like, how surprised would you be if Tony Ferguson won? Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty. Well, he just has a way of winning. So, the win mm. for, even in fights, I didn't think he was going to win. So, um, I'm kind of wary of the, because of that now. But yeah, just like looking at the matchup and kind of nearly every aspect of, of MMA, I think I think Gaethje has a, has an advantage. But as you say, just Ferguson must be doing something that we that we're not seeing or that's that's awkward or his timing must be strange or something and but effective or but he does like, you know, he does get hit very easily and Gaethje once he once he starts teeing off it's the beginning of the end, uh, quickly usually. Mm, like um <sighs> Tony Ferguson's like you know what was it two weeks ago or something he did like a weight cut as well yeah, for some reason yeah, he's a exactly. bit mental like um, that's I don't not going to help that's really yeah. not going to help like Landon Venata is a Mr. Price version of Justin Gaethje like and he almost knocked him out so yeah you could say oh, the, 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 like the, what would you say the surprise the element of surprise yeah. there with Landon, with Landon Venata a bit kind of coming into the UFC first fight in the UFC maybe thinking ah this guy yeah. you know this but a, we, we haven't. It's not the only time. That's the thing where we've seen him, like you know, take shots easy, like that you wouldn't expect the upper echelon guy to to take consistently. But um, and there's only so much of them you can take as well. Like, uh, yeah, I see this. Uh, like, I, I see Tony Ferguson as a as a as a favorite here, and I I, I just don't see it. Yeah, and the betting favorite, I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree as well. Like you look at the half Dos Anjos fight in, I suppose, like, and you saw see kind of what Ferguson can well, do. Daniels is like, like <sighs> he's up and down. Like yeah. he's very yeah. different sort of fighter as well to Gaethje. Like yeah, it's you know, it's an interesting one. Like Ferguson, I always kind of said when when Ferguson comes up against a, a properly top guy, he will lose. And yeah. I think I think Gaethje is a properly top guy. Yeah, I I agree, especially the new level of of Justin Gaethje as well. It's it's going to be interesting though. These are two really fantastic fights and. I uh, I can't wait to uh, see him even though they shouldn't probably be happening. Um, Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Like for me, I everyone knows I love a bit of Francis, but just watching a bit of Rosenstruck again, this is a tough fight because Rosenstruck is a guy like he you know, he comes from a kickboxing background, very good defensively um, for heavyweights anyway, and hits with big power and accuracy and is. Uh, the one thing he has at heavyweight that most heavyweights don't have is patience. You know, he knows where his power is and he knows all I have to do is land once and that's that. Um, and I think not many people, even outside of heavyweight, many, not many people have that. And that's that's something, you know, we, we talk about Conor McGregor, that's something that made him always a very special fighter. And I think Rosenstruck has that. Francis Singanot doesn't have that. <laughs> you know, he'll go out and he will throw fucking hands and try to knock you out. He tried to do it once against Derek Lewis and he didn't throw a punch for 15 minutes. So it's probably best not to do that. But I, I would just wonder here, you know, we look at Francis Singanot, right? And we say he's a guy who got, you know, shown up against Stipe Miocic. He got taken down for five rounds. He got embarrassed by Stipe Miocic. He's no ground game or anything like that. But what if Francis comes out here and takes Rosenstruck down? I, like, I think that's the way forward for him. I think Rosenstruck's ground game is not good at all. I think he's very relatively easy to take down. Uh, over him, yeah, didn't do much of it. easy to take down yeah. from what we've seen. But Nganu, obviously, that's going out of his game. And they say when you go out of your game and you haven't really you haven't really drilled it enough times or done it for become a, like a muscle reflex or natural, it takes a lot more energy. And... Um, 
you know, Francis Ngannou is most dangerous when he's full of energy. And if he touches you, you're probably going down. Even even we see him land shots that aren't even clean and guys go out. So yeah. uh, I don't know if that would be the best strategy for Ngannou because if he can, if he okay, if he can get him down and land a few big punches and finish it there, yeah. But we we don't really know how good he is in that aspect of the game. So mm-hmm. it's. it's yeah, we've seen, like we've seen a bit of him on the ground. He's a few submission wins. He's you know he's not against anybody good though. No, definitely not. But Rosenstruck isn't good on the ground either. Like you know he's he's a top five everywhere probably on the feet, but on the ground I don't think he is. And like he's shown little bits of improvements and stuff, but mm, I, like I I still think he has he has huge issues there. And I, like his ability to actually stay away from the ground game and think I, I think is improving an awful lot. But um yeah, like I think he has. Uh, I think he's big issue. Like you look at Francis's last three fights, he's knocked out Junior Dos Santos in seventy-one seconds, Ken Velasquez in twenty-six seconds with that odd one, and then Curtis Blades in forty-five seconds as well. Like it's, it's. I know I say he should probably take him down, or maybe maybe that'd be a thing he should think of. But Francis is probably going to come out and throw bombs early, and it'll either work very well for him, or I feel it'll go very badly. <laughs> be one of the one of the two because Rosenstruck I'm sure will be ready for that um and he'll be looking to fire back when Francis fires himself so the first two minutes of this is going to be insane I, I think, think. The, the, the technical advantage probably against Francis but it's just that equalizer of yeah. that huge huge power in the first round I think it's going to be enough for him because you know as you said he's been He's been sparking guys pretty much his whole career when he's been winning, um, and you know Rosenstruck obviously is um, is a high level a high level striker, but when when kind of half punch just has to land and maybe it won't knock you out, but it'll it'll change everything. And if that happens early, like. Uh, uh, like if it goes later, uh, like it definitely, it definitely changes the fight. But I see Francis and Ganu winning in the first round by by it, knockout. Yeah, I, I, I probably do too. I'm not, I'm not too sure though. Uh, then we have Calvin Cater versus uh, Jeremy Stevens, which should be a fun featherweight fight. You know, Cater has flatlined a few lads as well. Ricardo Lamas probably the most notably, and Jeremy Stevens always in fun fights. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And then we have Greg Hardy versus Jorgen De Castro. Jorgen De Castro known famously for that. Uh, Oh, what's what's your man's name? Oh, I can't remember his name. But he, the the other heavyweight, just like walked straight into him, and he just fucking flatlined him, coming off the uh, coming off the cage and knocked him out. And as we know, uh, Greg Hardy, the ex NFL player, that with fucking uh, <laughs> with asthma, fighting in the middle of a fucking pandemic, which is insane. But like, just looking down this row, there's like I feel like you know those <laughs> those Ghanaian funeral dancers <laughs> they could be brought out a few times for this. There's gonna be a lots of fucking knockouts of this. There's gonna be people absolutely flatlined all over the place. I feel. no we'll just wait for five decisions to come up. But like Yeah, like fifteen decisions yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that main card like right, we we have, we separate the the fights from the the insanity outside of the cage and in the world altogether. Those fights are amazing. They're going to be really, really good, I feel, and uh, I really, really can't wait for them. And the prelims are good as well. What do you think of this Donald Cerrone-Anthony Pettis fight? Like, I think both guys are probably a little bit, uh, are a lot past their best, uh, maybe. Who like who would you favour in this one in 2020? Uh, Pettis, Pettis. So I favoured Pettis the first time. Um, and, like, Pettis obviously... Uh, as you said, isn't isn't the same, but he hasn't been isn't the same as he was when he was on top. But he, he like he got to the top, and Cerrone never did. Um, in WEC and in UFC, and he's much much less shop worn than than Cowboy is. Mm-hmm. But even without all that stuff, you know, 
Cowboys coming off coming off like you know getting finished not so long ago. Um, he's 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 like you know he he's always kind of been up and down. Like he might lose a few here, win a few there, or win one, lose one, stuff like that. So I uh, wouldn't be concerned too concerned about that. But when you're fighting guys like Pettis who have already beaten you easily in the first round for a guy who's kind of mentally not that strong like Cerrone that's got to play in as well I, I just think there's too many things against Cerrone including his uh, the ability gap between Pettis and him yeah uh, I don't know I yeah I, I think I think Cerrone can make it a close fight and it can yeah. go like a decision and stuff but I, I, I just mm, I just uh, I, I, I see Pettis probably finishing him and if he doesn't winning a handy enough decision like I, I think Cerrone would win the decision to be honest I, like I think I don't think Pettis has that knockout touch that he used to have anymore or those you know big kicks to the body that he will really go to that he hurt Cerrone with the, the first time uh, like I think Cerrone is a very good man. Like, it sounds like a really shitty thing to say, but like he's used to losing and he's used to coming back from losses. It's not something that he hasn't done before. Um, and like, and I, I don't know. And this, you know, Pettis knocked out Wonderboy not too long ago. So what the fuck am I talking about? But like, he could do that again. But I just feel like Cerrone will will outpoint him over fifteen minutes. I might be totally wrong. Like when Pettis has to, <clears throat> when Pettis has to worry about a guy, he's going to take him down, take him down. Yeah, that's true. It's as a different well, yeah. story. Like when when he's kind of comfortable on the feet, maybe Tony will try to take him down, but he's not exactly you know uh, mm-hmm. he's not, no no Habib like you know what I mean. <laughs> but oh, I just think everywhere, like even on the ground, Pettis is, is better than than Cerrone. Mm-hmm. What did you think this week of uh, Cerrone's interview with the most embarrassing man in MMA media, Brad Akamoto, uh, where he said like, "Oh, he just didn't show up for the McGregor fight, and he knew three days before it that he was going to lose and everything." What, what did you think uh, when you heard that? Um, I don't know. Um, I think everybody knew three months before he was going to leave. That's a fantastic hashtag team SBG answer. But I, you are right in fairness. <laughs> like you are. Like, there, I think things like that. If you're a fighter, you kind of... Some fighters, they lose a fight and they they look for reasons why they lie. Like, sometimes if you if you go out and you get, like, out cardioed by someone, or if your jiu-jitsu isn't good enough, you go back and you work on your cardio for two years, you work on your jiu-jitsu for two years or whatever, and, like, you become a better fighter than that. Some people will just say, ah, I had an off day, and he was, you know, he beat me. It's like, you just got beaten by a guy who is way, way better than you, like... He basically got just hit by a hurricane for forty seconds. Yeah, got hit with everything straight away, and just yeah. And the ref even like you know stopped it late. So uh, yeah, um, I suppose they got to justify it somehow. And he, he probably he did have these thoughts in his head, but I'm, like from the sounds of things in previous interviews and what Cerrone says, he, no matter who the fight is, no matter what the fight is, he has yeah. all these doubts. So I don't know why it would why it would be you know, blamed for the loss and then written off when you win. Yeah, it's it seems like an odd one, yeah. There's been there's no updates, I suppose, on McGregor when he's gonna fight next. Like this I don't know what the gra- like Ireland Ireland, if anyone outside of Ireland hasn't uh is listening to this, we have now put a pla- a plan in place where we're supposed to be out of this by the twentieth of August, but who knows? But probably that probably won't happen. But you know, maybe when it comes to you know, three or four months down the line uh, we could be talking about McGregor fighting again or talking about him being able to get a private jet out of the country to go to America to fight or something like that. So maybe that isn't completely beyond the realms of possibility, but uh, you know he's been obviously very strong on the coronavirus and staying inside and everything like that. So uh, we're not... Like, Ireland isn't too far away, I think, from 
a place where we're going to be getting more confident in how we're doing, especially because we've shut it down now for the next 16 days from today again. And hopefully by then we'll be in a, in a very, very good place. And uh, maybe McGregor will be more confident in, you know, talking about fighting outside the country or maybe letting people into the country to fight him. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes anyway. Um, well, the rest of this card, Graham, Alexi Olnik versus Fabrizio Verdum. I think people will be able to talk about that uh, one. Themselves. Go on. Yeah, I, I enjoy Olnik. Uh, usually it's kind of the thing, oh, well, like he can grab the guy and just submit him anyway, but that kind of is out the window here. Now yeah, it's, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, this is a tough, tough matchup for Olnik. It is, isn't it? It's like, it's probably going to be a kickboxing match and Verdum's probably going to knock him out, I'd say. But Verdum has been out for like two years as well. Uh, with the, the whole drug thing, and he so. is Ginny, but you know, Olenek isn't exactly throwing speedy pair of punches. No, <laughs> he, he doesn't. No, <laughs> yeah, he's probably throwing them in California and Orlando when he gets to fucking Florida. That's the the speed of punches that uh that Olenek is throwing. But that's the sort of that's a KSW sort of fight, like isn't it? <laughs> that's the sort of fight we kind of want to see, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But God Almighty, just do you know? What I'm glad. I'm glad that one's in five rounds because imagine if that they put that in like the wins there or something and they made it the main event to be like, oh God. All in that can't go five rounds. <laughs> You'd never know that. You'd never fucking know. Uh, Carla Sparza, Michelle Watterson. I saw Michelle Watterson's a sizable enough underdog here. Um, underdog? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Carla Sparza is like a 1.6. What's, um, what's that in actual odds? What, what, you, what you do? You do fractional, do you? Yeah. Um, Hold on. Let me look. I'm just pulling up 20, best file 20 here. to 20 to 33. Carla Esparza, 29 to 20, Michelle Watterson. So, she's so what about 7 to 5, 5 to 8? Yeah, so she's plus 145. That's, yeah, she's just like 3 to 2 or something like that, a little bit less than that. Jesus, yeah. I'd definitely be back in that anyway. Like, what yeah, that's I, what I was thinking. I was like, uh, like Esparza, if she can get down on top, she can lay there pretty pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty well. But like... Uh, Watterson's the, good. The, like the, She's the good to game, stuff. Yeah, and the scrambles and stuff... Uh, like it could be a, as far as a decision here like that's probably what they're what the boogies are thinking but i think watterson will, will do enough yeah we'll have the uh, severe betting show over on patreon as well this week so f- after the wins on friday the show will be out sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast so this is a this is a good week to sign up actually we'll have uh we'll have lots of stuff and i've actually kind of forgotten we had like um for every pay-per-view i had like a certain amount of things that i always did and now it's been like two months since there was one i have to go back and fucking remember what i did but anyway oh we'll have the pics out as well for the all the all the lads andy stevenson finally learned how to use a computer so that'll be uh that'll be fun but yeah i, I think Morrison win that as well uriah hall, what's what, no we won't get into the betting because we'll do that in the show but uriah hall against um against jacare I, I don't know why sometimes i get these feelings and i haven't really gone back and watched that much of either of them i just feel like uriah hall's gonna knock out jacare am i am i insane uh, like there's a little window at the start but i think when in fights where uriah hall might be taken down he doesn't really he, where where being taken down is bad news he doesn't really let go he doesn't really let shots go obviously he can do something like he did against gegard musassi he always has that dynamic kind of big strike to finish a fight but i'm sure like jackaray is a decent striker and all that like underrated striker over the years but if his game plans in any way good he'll be trying to take down uriah hall who hasn't got the best takedown defense um in the world and isn't great on the ground so if Jacare has a good game plan he should win this by submission Jacare yeah he probably will I, I don't know uh, like Uriah Hall used to have he's like his mentality was a big big issue for Uriah Hall he was, and like will 
being in the middle of a pandemic helped that? Will having to cut weight and not the best circumstance help that? Mm, it's an issue, but I don't know. I just have a feeling for you, Raya. I, I think that's like those are four really, really. That could be a main card on a on a fight night. Like those four fights, no, and it'd be a very good main card on a fight night. So. It's, yeah. uh, oh, well, it's you know, Jack has been fighting some some very kind of good guys on the ground, yeah, recent upper echelon guys, and I think if he gets Jack to, or if he gets uh, if Jack Ray gets hauled to the ground, it'll it'll be a lot easier. Like you know, people forget kind of maybe how how good Jack Ray is on the ground because of the kind of level of competition we've seen him seen him against for the last number of years. That's very true. What do you think of the preliminary card in Vicente Luque and Nico Price? I always love a bit of Nico Price. He's a madman. I was uh, I was good. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, another madman against Charles Rosa. <laughs> Bunch of madmen on this Bunch card. of madmen. Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey going out there smiling. It's been a madman as waiting, well. Waiting, for, waiting to counter. Hoping, hoping uh, Spann will, will lead. <laughs> yes. And if he doesn't, he'll just lose a decision. Just lose a decision, yeah. <laughs> just get up. Like, you know, 30-30. He might, he might frustrate Spann enough into <laughs> trying to lead and land that big counter. Yeah, he definitely will. Um, Alright, we've not more to talk about, I don't think. that was pretty. There's other cards as well. There's two more cards coming up, but we'll talk about them next week because uh, they're like fucking three weeks away now but not three weeks away like 10 days away so but in this world it feels like i w- so how confident are you that this is going ahead oh it's 100 uh, percent unless something goes like badly wrong in florida next week and they have to bring down mm-hmm. which is i'd probably send if one if one fighter was to get oh that's positive oh what, yeah what do you think will happen then if that let yeah i don't know probably be swept under the carpet and don't say a word there like, mate that's the thing we we're talking or about uh, for the fight uh, what the thing I was thinking, I nobody remembers. <laughs> we were talking about it on the Zoom. Like, do you think if someone turns up for this fight, right, and on the winds or whatever, they have a cough, do you think they're going to tell the doctor and tell everyone that they have a cough? Like, do you, do you think they would? I don't know. It depends on who depends it is, I suppose. Fighter, yeah. yeah, but I said a majority fucking wouldn't like, and that's very worrying. That Like, fighters have been known down through the years to hide injuries, and... It's being with one eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone with fucking one eye fought. It's like... I, it's shitty thing to say, and it might be a little bit disrespectful, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't really trust the fighters to to be safe in this situation. I really don't. Now, not, not all need their 40, 50 grand yeah. show bonus or, or show and whatever, yeah. like, depending on what they're on, like, and sponsors and all that shit, like... Yeah, it's fucking, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time to be having a card. It's a crazy time to be doing it. But what about you, sad as well? Like you, sad as I protect you in this crazy world. Yeah, bit of a uh, that lad's still alive, and he got cancer Aslan. about five years ago, and he's still going. Fair play to him, fucking legend. I love, I love a bit of Aslan. But um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, do you think you uh, said I said they're going testing people? Do you think all MMA managers will be just going out looking for hand sanitizer with like traces of EPO and <laughs> fucking all the little drugs they can find? It's great. Oh, I failed the drugs test. Ah, oh, that was a hand sanitizer. It was all over it. That's that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. just start up your own company that makes hand sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's for one that's the insiders joke there isn't it that was like what was the one the weekend oh yeah we were talking about uh, on the zoo who was the, mo- who was the w- most well paid English fighter of all time and you, you what, what did you come up with the, the demolition man yeah. Alistair Overy <laughs> yeah that was that was absolutely fantastic but yeah uh, let's answer one or two questions before we go so we might as well um, do it um, is there any upside to Francis Ngannou win, or is it merely defending his number one contender spot from Sean Denny? That's I think that's an interesting question as well. Like, 
we're still thinking about this Stipe Miocic Daniel Cormier fight at heavyweight and Stipe says he's not fighting again until all his um, fireman duties are kind of uh, uh, up or unless he can kind of get a break from it so for, for Nganu, like, he took this fight. Yeah, Cormier's probably not going to want to, like, take that Nganu fight in the meantime yeah. as well. I'd love to see that fight, though. That'd be a that'd be an absolutely smashing fight. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that as well. Um, Brian Harrington, with lightweight title wrapped up for the next few fights, would you like to see a McGregor fight either Diaz, RDA, or Lawler all at welterweight? McGregor versus Lawler is a fight I've never thought of, but now I I would like no, to see it. No, you did never talk about that. Remember when Lawler was champion and, and there was there was there was talk of it there was, before yeah. the, the Diaz loss. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was I was told by um by somebody inside the UFC who might be able to make something like that happen that uh, that they were interested in that fight if if the Diaz if the Conor had beaten Diaz the first time. Really? So. Lawler was champion. They would have given McGregor a welterweight title shot. Well, uh, they were interested in it, yeah. Whoa! I feel like that's breaking news. Is that? I don't. I don't think we've heard that before. That's cool. I like that. Some breaking news. I feel like you're regretting saying that right now. <laughs> <laughs> now you're hyping it up, fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm hyping it up. Uh, Graham will text me afterwards. Like, Edit that out there, shot for fuck's sake. But yeah, that yeah, that would have been cool. I'd like to see that. Like, it feels like when was the last time Robbie Lawler fought? It feels like a long time. He fought Ben Askren. I think he's had one more since, but like. I'm kind of sa- sad that we've never seen the Nick Diaz Robbie Lawler fight again. That fight was. Did I say it right, Nick Diaz? Nick Diaz Robbie Lawler. That, that fight, I think, it was like the ten year anniversary or something, or fifteen year anniversary or something. There this week, it's. I love a bit of Lala, Robbie Lawler. I love a bit of Nick Diaz. I wish we could. Uh, I wish we could have seen that fight again. But anyway, yeah, it'd be great to have Nick Diaz back in any, any against anybody really. Yeah, but he probably he probably never will be. Uh, unfortunately, what do you think of from Christopher Graham? Last question here. What do you think of Ken Velasquez getting released by the UFC? Uh, should he go to AEW or do you think Bellator slash UFC? WWE, you mean? Yeah, well, what did I say? Did I say UFC? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. So, Ken I Velasquez. I didn't even know he got released. Yeah, he did. He got released by WWE, but they released like loads was of Was he people. not doing, was he not, I don't know, I, this is weeks or months ago, but was he not really good? No. Uh, so, he wrestled in Japan, uh, or no, Mexico, sorry. He wrestled in Mexico and he was really good. And in WWE signed him. He had one match with Brock, which was like a, a two and a half minute fake MMA spar which he didn't really wrestle in at all and he hasn't wrestled since he hasn't been seen I think he was on TV once or twice maybe since or maybe it was before I don't know so he's been on TV like four times ever and he ha- he hasn't been seen in months uh, but he was signed to a big multi-year contract and the US- or WWE let him go they've been letting go like loads of people uh, so it's I don't know it's I mean, interesting. He, did he get a payoff or did he just see well, you later I don't, I don't know the contract work over yeah, there I don't know I I, f- I feel like he didn't. No, I feel like he was just let go and that was that, but I'm not sure. Like, the thing about Cain Velasquez is as well, there was a lot of the talk after he wrestled Brock... M- m- maybe, sorry, maybe what? it's a thing where, like with a lot of companies where they're releasing guys and saying, oh, once this is all over and yeah. we're back to regular schedule, you'll be back. Mm-hmm. Forlowing them. Yeah, they, they did that with a few of their producers and stuff, but yeah. like, But I think Cain's problem is after he wrestled Brock, everyone was saying he has a bad knee. And he had, you remember after Francis Ngannou fight, his knee was fucked up. And everyone everyone after that was saying that he needed to get surgery and he might be back in four or five or six months or whatever. Uh, but now, like, I don't know if he got the surgery or if he's just, uh, like, working on physio or whatever to get his knee better. But, like, Ken Velasquez is a guy who's... Uh, MMA career kind of fell away, fell off a cliff because of the amount of injuries he had. Now, and then you're getting whiplashed around a fucking yeah. <laughs> a wrestling ring, not really knowing how to land mm. or all that stuff. Like a like a whatever. Who's the best wrestler at the moment? I don't know. Uh, Kenny Omega. 
yeah, not like one of these guys never even heard of. <laughs> um, Okada, like, Tanahashi. There, there you go. Ricochet. Yeah, I love a bit of Ricochet. I don't, know, I don't know any of these guys. AJ Styles, I heard of him. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, they've obviously done this for what? Their whole lives and know exactly yeah. how to land. And they still get badly injured and have their bodies fucked by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, it was kind of seems inevitable that Kane would get injured doing that yeah he, and he was doing the high flying style as well when he was over in uh, Mexico so yeah it's uh, like a, I'd like to see Ken fight again I was kind of sad when he, he went away uh, to WWE but he was really good at wrestling too so I wasn't actually that sad about it so maybe uh, AEW or somewhere over in Mexico can pick him up again and he can uh, he can wrestle but sure we'll see Ken Ken is another one I feel like we might not talk up as much as we should. Like, Kane was a great, great fighter and injuries. Like, Kane is Kane the Ronaldo of MMA. Oh, maybe he is. Maybe it's not Dominic Cruz. Maybe it's Ken Velasquez. That's an interesting one. What about Ronaldo? Remember, no, it is Dominic Cruz. Because remember, Ronaldo came back, like, after all his injuries and all, and he scored that hat trick against Man United when we were good, like, in in, uh, in Old Trafford. That was that was fantastic. I loved a bit. I loved a bit of Ronaldo. What a great player. Who's the, who's the best Brazilian soccer player of all time, Graham? Ooh, um, for me, not this one. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like Neymar, probably. What Neymar? The best now, like who's the best now over the last five years? Probably him. Oh, Allison, maybe. Oh, come on, you're not saying the Brazilian Ronaldo is, is worse than Neymar? Seriously. Yeah, well, like, if he was playing now... He'd be like class. He, like, you know, if he was out of shape for his half his career like he was, I don't think it would, it would it would go as well as it did back then. Yeah, but what about the young, brilliant, vibrant Ronaldo? Like, he was... Yeah, there's a couple of years there. Yeah, but that, when was that, though? Like, you know, that was a long time ago now. What about Ronaldinho? What about Rivaldo? What about Romario? Like, those are some... Yeah, yeah, Ronaldinho, maybe. Like, Rivaldo is, like, very good player, but a little bit, maybe... Nowadays, his style of kind of not really contributing in a lot of ways wouldn't wouldn't stand up do you know who'd be class these days roberto carlos he's he'd be even better these days because he couldn't defend like he imagine him and trent yeah, on both playing, sides. yeah yeah him playing andy robertson role yeah. I, was, I was just thinking i just said that yeah, um it's, it's so hard to know how these guys w- would do because like you know they probably would train differently if you know if yeah. they were um maybe ronaldinho maybe wouldn't because he's just kind of off the rails and... lad. i feel like <laughs> i feel like i'm missing like a really good midfielder from brazil who was like a really good midfielder a few years ago kaka i suppose kaka was class but he went off the rails as well mm, yeah um cleberson <laughs> Legend, <laughs> Lucas Leiva, Lucas. Yeah. Uh, the Liverpool fans uh, love a bit of Lucas. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, Gilberto Silva, he was good, but not that great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely some like unbelievable. It's probably Allison. It's probably Allison. Allison, no, it's not definitely not Allison. Who's the, the man you have a Brazilian player? Am I gone mad? Rafael, they had him. Fabio, what a great two Silva, two two uh, the Silvas. Yeah, the two Silvas. Do we have a Brazilian player now? I feel like I'm missing someone very obvious. Oh, um. Oh, Andres Pereira is he Belgium or Brazilian? He's playing for oh, he plays for Brazil. Brazilian, yeah, he's Brazilian. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Fabio Aurelio. Fabio Aurelio, yeah. What was your Insua? He was Argentinian, wasn't he? I loved Insua. Yeah, yeah. He, he was my he favorite. He was just out of shape though. He just like starts sweating after the first sprint. Yeah, he was good though. I liked a bit of uh, I liked a bit of Insua. This is this is like a throwback to the fucking early two thousands. Soccer, it's good. Dunga, what a player Dunga was. But if Cafu. you look at like the intensity of the game now that like Neymar's playing in compared to the, the Rivaldo, Romario, you know, or Ronaldo, it's it's a it's a completely different 
intensity. Oh, I remember Adriano. What like a fucking like, uh, Remember how good Neymar was, like, uh, for Barcelona? Barcelona like, yeah. obviously, it's going to, you know, the PSG is going to fall off the radar because nobody cares. But, um, I don't know. Like, he is he is a, a world-class player. Yeah. I, like, playing for Barcelona as well, he's... They were People playing don't against... like him because he, like, dives all the time and yeah. he injured himself diving in the yeah. World Cup and all. He's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's good. He's a good player, all right, but, like... I wouldn't put him in the same fucking conversation as Ronaldo. Like, I think Ronaldo was fantastic. But uh, he didn't have the longevity as well, I suppose. And yeah, and just the players that he was playing against were just, you know, he just had to, like, the amount of times Ronaldo just went around the keeper with ease. Like, I know it was a talent of his, but you don't really see that anymore because keepers are so much better now with their with their movement and their footwork and their actual footballers now instead of just, like, ga players and goal. Like. What, about, what about fucking Ederson, though? Like, come on. Yeah, well, Ederson, he doesn't play for Brazil, though. Oh yeah, he doesn't save shots, so it's, 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 it's tough of, to have your goalkeeper not uh, saving uh, shots. Allison's only a poor man's Tafarel. That's that's all he is. He's Tafarel, yeah. like like a bit. Of, what about uh, Campos, Mexican oh, goalkeeper? Legend. Him? What was the name of your man from? Uh, oh, yeah, I do remember Campos. He used to wear the big fucking his own, baggy his own jersey, crazy, yeah, crazy yeah, jersey. Yeah, what a legend. And what was your man's name? The fella that he was from Colombia, wasn't he? The fella that Scorpion kicked the ball. Remember him? Oh yeah, red. That was Redknapp who took that. Sh- it, was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> What's his name again? He got done for like coke dealing or something. Ah, sure, don't all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you would hold that against the man like you wouldn't fucking. How, how, how many years was he waiting for the perfect opportunity to do that scorpion oh. kick? Like, just like <laughs> waiting for some stupid shit shot from Jamie Redknapp. Like he's like, this is he probably went into the game thinking yeah. this is my chance. This is Jamie Redknapp's <laughs> Redknapp yeah. He's gonna just ping the ball at me. Yeah, what was his name? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah. Anyway, right. That was a good. That was a good Brazilian football chat there to uh, in the back of <laughs> South America football chat. Yeah, oh, that's a scorpion kick. Go back and look at that. People trying to claim Giroud scored a scorpion uh, kick. Mikatarian's on was the first one. Nah, back. that, that, was, was, that was that was offside. That was a scorpion kick matter. though. Was, yeah. I think both of them were offside, weren't they? Giroud's one. Was, I don't really think Giroud's one was no. The Mikatarian. Oh, yeah. Neither of them were scorpion kicks. Anyway, that's a scorpion kick. You can't. You can't mm. not fully commit to. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually accept that. That was fair enough. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Who's the best Argentinian player? Messi, oh well yeah okay yeah that's an easy one <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> people are probably saying fucking Maradona what are you talking about he's 10 times better than Messi Messi's playing against crap teams and all but yeah what about uh, who was better Mascherano or Tevez Oof, very different players is that, is that the dog there mm-hmm. just crying into the uh, thing I don't know I don't think so right. um, uh, Mascherano probably He's, remember, he's remember, actually unbelievable. Like, he <laughs> went to centre back and won everything. And, like, yeah, he's yeah, remember the time Ferguson and got. He dedicated the, the win over, over Man United in the Champions League final to Liverpool <laughs> on the pitch. I, I kind of appreciate that level of hatred. I, like, I that's can't, can't remember. Uh, well, I don't think it was you, but somebody sent me a message after that. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I always hated Mascherano. <laughs> it probably <laughs> was. <laughs> I, I think it was before. Or you, I don't know. I can't remember who it was. Maybe. But I always hated Mascherano. <laughs> was the message. I like I like that level of dickhead. Like I I appreciate that. You know I I lo- I remember Mascherano time like. He, what a nightmare to play against yeah, that, like, he had like an argument up. with Ferguson or something remember and Ferguson he got sent off and Ferguson just like laughed at him as he went down the tunnel remember no he, he got sent off for asking the ref what happened repeatedly oh yeah that was it he's like what happened what happened and the ref gave him a red card <laughs> <laughs> against Man United it's so crazy like <laughs> that's the shit that used to go on uh, before VAR for Man United no, for, oh god don't get back I forgot about VAR fuck's sake <laughs> that's, that's the one good thing about the fucking Rona I forgot about VAR <laughs> Oh God. So what do you think should be, uh, we're getting into a soccer talk here, but what do you think should happen now? Do you think they should finish out the season or just give Liverpool the title? Uh, 
Oh, yeah. I think it's finish the season. Um, like, it, it just depends on on. Nobody really knows until they start putting events on how safe it is and how safe it isn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I think they should just hang the door. Like, like, well, like, I think I think you can't door. like not like Liverpool won or, or like if you're going to end the league, Liverpool have to win the league. Like, but yeah. then it's it's the other things like the Champions League spots, the relegation, the promotion. That's the problem, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, I think you just need to find a way to it. Don't really get anyone. Just bring up two teams from the from the championship. Like it's not that many games left. It's not as if it's like you know ten games into the season. Uh, you can get this done quick if 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 you can do it safely. You can do it quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of just want Liverpool to be handed the title so there'll forever be an asterisk inside it. I that would to me would be the best case scenario here. Like. Sure, you are. Liverpool already won the title back in September. No? Oh yeah, I said it, but it was, <laughs> like the, this has ruined Liverpool's first title win back again. It it's destroyed it, like, and it's that's made me so happy. Like, I've it's the it's the greatest thing to come from this. Their own. It was terrible. Okay, people have been sick all over the world, but it has taken it away from Liverpool, and it's it's so great. It's fantastic. As as like a complete dickhead that appreciates people like Mascherano taking it away from Man United and everything like that, I I must say that like Liverpool being robbed of the happiness of this league has made me extremely happy as a grumpy dickhead. What, what do you think? <laughs> I think you, you, as a Man United fan, you need things to, to cling to. So fair enough. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a fair, it's a fair point. <laughs> Right, I guess that's it. PSG were handed the title, actually, weren't they, over in France? So I think there's going to be legal, apparently. There's going to be legal challenges. and Yeah, I think you just have to finish the seasons when, when at all possible. And behind closed doors or whatever, it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be, it's going to have to be um, like a really strict... Uh, thing where they probably have to isolate these players for weeks if they're going to do it but um, I think they could they could also just wait as well mm-hmm. and just finish the season at any time but obviously then other seasons are other countries are at different stages of coronavirus recovery or not even recovery some some are peaking or, I, I don't know what's going on most in a lot of different countries but you know I think this German Bundesliga coming back will kind of be a if that goes kind of off without without a hitch then that'll kind of lead to to more firm talks of of getting this going and just getting going in England and other countries quicker it already has a hitch to see three clone I don't know as a players or staff but failed uh, for coronavirus there yesterday or the day before yeah. Uh, it's already it already has a fucking itch. So, and you see, like the, um, Paulo Dybala playing for Juventus, he got coronavirus a few weeks, months ago, I think, like six weeks ago or something. And he said he's still struggling with it. It's still an issue with him. So, and he hasn't passed the test or failed the test, whichever way it is. He's still positive for coronavirus. So, and you know, it's it's a fucking like I was talking to my friend the other day, and he was like, "We will get to a stage where." We're having matches and someone can't play because they're out with coronavirus. Like, that's yeah, well, it's the, the same thing with like you know people are out with the flu. Like sometimes, like you know, I think it was Gomez or somebody, somebody was out with the flu last year or whatever. You know, for Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, it's just like that. I suppose it's become normalised. Yeah, yeah, and you're not. I know you're not comparing it to the flu, but it is becoming like that. We talk I'm about just this. comparing it like you know, you know, it's a, it's a it's, virus kind yeah, of like that didn't exist a hundred years ago. That you know, <laughs> the flu, did the flu not exist hundred years ago? Or whatever, it, whatever, how many, whatever, however many years ago. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, like coronavirus is probably going for a few years anyways. It's going to be a thing where, yeah, you, you know, on your on your football manager, your guys out with a coronavirus. Yeah, which is a fucking. You can't come to training for two weeks. We talk about the new normal. It's just gonna. It's a crazy world we're living in. But sure, look, we're here for you anyway, and we'll be here every uh, Sunday or other days as well right thanks everyone for uh for listening sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast if you want to support me and graham if you want to pay for another month of zoom premium <laughs> so that we can do more of them but we probably won't this pro- like this is going to be the last one this is it's not this is not in my retirement this this is the tuesday night 8 p.m i'll tweet out the link you can come in people will be there you can ask them questions uh fighters media commentators the whole lot the whole shebang uh, so sign up patreon.com forward slash your podcast and all that's left to do were you going to say something there Graham it felt like you were no 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 oh, okay alright all that's left to do is give you the inspirational quote of the week the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge but imagination we'll see you next Tuesday at 8pm <laughs>